be progressive. Um, I'm going to do, uh, this is a kind of a special show. I wanted to do something a little bit special for MLK Junior Day, um, which is next Monday. Um, I, uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation that I had with Mike, my friend. Um, it's uh, not, not particularly local politics, although you have to admit that Huntsville is, after all, the Pentagon of the South. It's uh, ostensibly about peace, okay? Uh, so I, I, hope you, um, I hope you can get into it and not, uh, you know, with an open mind. So bef uh, and also, <laughs> this is just my sort short introduction, so I'm not going to get up and turn off the dryer. You hear, hear the dryer in the background. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm gonna, so before the conversation, I'm going to read a, a uh, little poem for you. This is called Civil Resistance, Part 1. Does the atom understand the detonation, hey? The grandmothers gather in the square to chant. Soon the grandchildren would gather too, singing too. Does the father understand the gun in his hand? That the gun is made up of atoms dancing. The grandmothers can chant. They can no longer fight. The grandfathers who survived will come soon too. Many grandfathers have been lost to war too soon. The dancing atoms dance through and through us all. The earth is alive with dancing atoms, hey? The grandmothers, grandchildren, grandfathers dance. The cats and dogs and elephants dance with the earth. The earth knows all about dancing and singing. The way we are made is not for war making. Part two. In praise of all the resistors, I sing. I wish to lift my life into that fabulous parade. Please understand as each one stands before the armaments, before the governments, facing those who make war, sell war, celebrate war. I conceive of a new history written around the peaceful, the civilian of the kingdom. Let the sacrifices of the resistors make a music to resonate around the world and into hearts of now and future. I rejoice in the resistance. All accolades, too, for those who fortify the keenness, standing on the corner waving a flag, at the armory painting red, at the front line craving an end. So that actually is the first two parts of a poem I've been working on for a while. So you have heard some of my poetry today. I hope that uh, you enjoyed it and that you will enjoy the subsequent little conversation coming right up. Uh, happy MLK Junior Day. Okay, hey, we're back and um, I'm Joy and you're, uh, you're listening to HSV Progressive. And I like to think of this episode as a special Martin Luther King Jr. Day episode um, where we, I want to talk about um, peace and, uh, and especially with respect to what's going on um, in uh, Western, sorry, Eastern Europe <laughs> nowadays. Uh, so for that purpose, I have my friend, Mike, who stands with me on the Peace Corner most Saturday mornings. You guys should come and stand with us sometime at the corner of uh, Whitesburg and Airport Roads um, as part of North Alabama Peace Network. Um, but uh, Mike's going to help me talk about this war and sort of what is going on and Anyway, let's let's take it away. Mike, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell me, you know, a little bit about who you are and what your sort of take is. Well, like you said, I'm a peace activist. I wound up on the Peace Corner on Saturday mornings with North Alabama Peace Network. Uh, my background is I'm a I'm a Navy Vietnam combat veteran. 
and uh, I have I anytime I look at the war situations or conflicts, I kind of have a background that I but my background gives, makes me suspicious about how the whole thing started. I, it's uh, many people know the Vietnam War was was uh, 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 there are a lot of lies told in the process of doing all that. The more I studied about it, the more I looked at history. And the more I found out, there were a lot of lies about a lot of wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since World War II, it's been a continuous series of forever wars. We started out with uh, installing the Shah in Iran, and then we went into Vietnam, or Korea, and then the Vietnam, and the, <clears throat> the false flag of Tonkin Gulf in Vietnam, and then we mm-hmm. moved on into Laos and Cambodia. And, and then there's all the South uh, Central American countries, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Panama. Panama, yep. Uh, South American countries like Venezuela and Argentina and Chile. And you, you just see a pattern of, of uh, you know, uh, backing opposing operations and, and, uh, and the capitalists wanting to get in and, and gather resources out of these places. And uh, when I say resources, I mean uh, not only... Uh, minerals and things like that, uh, human resources, uh, labor and stuff. Labor, cheap labor, yeah. So, uh, and the, the more I look, you see the CIA involved in all of those, and, and more recently, you see a lot about the uh, National Endowment for Democracy, uh-huh. which is uh, is a an overt arm of the CIA doing things that they used to do covertly. Uh-huh. And if you look at NED, do a little studying on that, you start finding resources, and they have a, a complicated tree of hierarchy of subsidiaries and how they fund different places all over the world. And any place you see some sort of conflict started, you can probably find that NED has been funding some some group of people. Yikes. And uh, mm-hmm. in my studies, I, I, I would recommend that three books that people want to read. They ought to read a, a People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn and Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins and Manufacturing Consent by Ed Herman and Noam Chomsky. And Noam Chomsky. And it gives you a more realistic history of what of what America does around the world and, and how things fit together. I, I have, am just finally finishing um, Howard Zinn's history. Um, and uh, I had, you know, uh, first of all, I didn't know that it um, that it came so up to like present day. You know, I, yeah. I, I I had started reading it, and they're talking about Columbus and and the natives and and all of this kind of stuff, and and I was like, well, I kind of know all of this awfulness, and I, I I don't. So it took me a long time to get back to it to try to finish it, and. And uh, so, so first of all, it, it, I finally get up and uh, it, they just kept going right up to almost present day, right? And mm-hmm. so I just had this really, um, really interesting thing happen that he was talking about, um, you know, that uh, our first, the first Gulf War when, when uh, uh, Kuwait got invaded yeah. by Iraq. Um, I, I went to uh, D.C. for a great big, huge peace march during that war. And he talked about that peace march in the book. And mm. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am part of history. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we for that to be as big of a, of a march as it was, it took a lot of people being there. And I was one of those people, you know, so that was really cool. Um, uh, you know, another book that I'm trying to work on is also uh, Management of Savagery by... Um, Oh, what's his name? Anyway, it's again, it's about all of our covert. It starts out talking about Afghanistan and how we funded the Mujahideen. And I think you and I have talked a little bit about how Russia got involved in Afghanistan in the first place. And, and it's not the story that we that we generally hear here at all. Not even close not even close yeah not even close to how we how russia wound up in afghanistan and then you know the mess that we made of that Whew. man anyway so where were we yeah national endowment for democracy they were uh, 
pretty um, up to their eyeballs in the stuff that was going on in Hong Kong a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, anyway, so, uh, so um, you're telling me about, I totally interrupted you. You were talking about yourself and how, and so you're starting to give us an overview, but how is it that you um, got involved? What is your involvement in the peace movement? That's what I want to know. Well, uh, like I said, I've done a study enough history now to know that there's a there seems to be a big false narrative going on all the time. We don't we don't seem to get that the the true story. Yeah, and you have to really dig for information. Yep, and you have to look for multiple sources and cross check against them until you can find some semblance of the truth. And that's what I try to do these days. Anytime we come across some sort of conflict. And uh, it's just a matter of we need to change that whole system. We need to uh, have more truth in media. We had to have we need to have more uh, financial reform and in, in politics. And actually, we need people more involved in democracy. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just tired of seeing all these wars after war after war after war. I'd just like to see us working together and try try working on some peace. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so um, and you're talking about little D democracy. You're not talking about the Democratic Party. Oh, I'm not really much use for Democrat for political parties. Yeah. Um. Uh, um. So you know, supposedly the U.S. is this the you, you know the uh, the first major democracy in the world, and we have all of this whatever uh, constitution and stuff, but we're not much of a democracy anymore because money has too much power right yeah it, it i mean if you look at it it was it was flawed from the start i mean it, you know with the three-fifths uh uh-huh. vote and all that and you know and then basically and, there's and and there's, women weren't even counted at all hello right uh so it it's it, it's it's a it's a rough con it's a rough kind of concept but it really implementation was really far from and, and we've made some improvements. I mean, uh, women's suffrage and civil rights, yeah. things are getting improved, but then there's a lot of ways we haven't improved. We, uh, uh, money in politics is probably worse than it's ever been. Ever uh, been. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we improve in one area and get worse than another. So mm-hmm. but I think our biggest problem is we don't really have people participating enough. I mean, we just really need to stay on top of people and uh, people just want to just kind of, go along to get along and that doesn't really work well and but i I do think that a lot of things are arrayed um such that it people have a very hard time just making ends meet never mind having enough resources to be involved you know and 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 we also have this rugged individualism sort of uh, capitalist ethos that keeps people from coming together in you know groups who might be able to get something done you know i think those things play into it uh, uh, some societal problems that i would again uh, lay right at the feet of money has too much power yeah. Yeah, when your person's been in the, you know, working two or three jobs and working 50, 60 hours a week, and uh, you just don't have the time to put into a lot of other things. Yeah, and and and, uh, and, and the, you, the, the capitalist you, uh, money money to leap people that they like it like that. They like it like that. That's it's desi- it's doing exactly what it's designed to do when you're in that position. Yep. Um, so anyway, so you're, uh, you stand with um, us on the Peace Corner as part of uh, North Alabama Peace Network. I know that you're with uh, Veterans for Peace. Yeah. And, and also you uh, um, are active with, uh, what's it called? The War, War Industry Industries Network. Yeah. Um, anything else that you do besides, you know? I think that's about it. Good. Cool. Thanks. Um, so uh, so if we start looking, uh, um, narrowing our, our focus to this uh, uh, conflict in Ukraine, um, it, it, you 
say that you study history to find, to try to get at the root of what's going on um, and, and look for other sources of information and what, what's the, it, this is what is always strikes me as, 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 as just totally, you know, bizarre because the com the communist the USSR has fell, right? And we could talk about why that happened, but it's it fell. It there is no communist communism over there, you know. Well, uh, they still have a communist party, but they not, have a communist party, but they're not running the country. Right, and they're not. They're not very. They're really not a very strong party. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, but, but for some reason, they have a country now that's run, uh, not, maybe you could argue that it's not very democratic. Uh, they, but they certainly have elections like we do. Uh, I think that just two seconds ago, you and I were making an argument that our country's not very democratic either. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're just the same. Us and them are just the same. Why do we have to hate them so much? What the heck? is with going on with that yeah well I've, that's one of the things i kind of looked at it you know what is the history of russia and why why do we hate them well i mean i, I grew up in the 50s and 60s when it was just we were just inundated with the, you got to hate the russians uh uh because of the nuclear threat and uh, communism and all that and mm -hmm. as i went out and studied i kind of find out that you know they're just like us really uh -huh. uh, they and the people really pick on the. Uh, I mean, the, Russia. Russia's been invaded uh, over the years many, many times by the Swedes, the Mongols, the Swedes, the Germans, the French, the Germans again, and then we had this long Cold War with the United States, and it's always about getting that Russia's Russia's are exporting raw materials exporting countries they have a huge land mass mm -hmm. and they don't have a big population and it just drives the capitalists crazy that they can't get at those resources and that's what they and uh in their history you know they they overthrew the czar and uh and and installed uh uh a communist system as socialist you know they call it the mm -hmm. union of so soviet socialist republics mm -hmm. and and Soviet is actually the the literal meaning of Soviet is is workers' consuls. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So that in, in most places you find out people that when they gather their independence when they go for their independence from colonialism and things like that they tend to go to a socialist communist government because they're they want to govern themselves they don't want somebody they don't want a monarch they don't want a a uh, Oligarch. they don't want a, a dictator uh so they so they go to they they migrate to socialism and uh and that's what and that's what the soviet union did they they put their socialist uh you know yeah you can get all wrapped up in the term socialist and communist and we could we could do we could have a whole big talk about that and, and uh but that there, there really is no real sound, hard and fast definition for those. They're they're on a on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at what the Soviets did after World War II, that's pretty amazing what they accomplished. Mm -hmm. uh, they got you know shortly after their their revolution in 1917, they actually put the Soviet Union together in 1922. And and what a lot of people in America don't realize, we actually had troops in russia in that period of time tried to keep that soviet union from getting established we actually had american troops fighting in russia uh and the uh, uh, but it's a part of history to just to get much exposure but, so, really, uh, but why did we why were we there and dead set against the this socialist system getting set up well, they they just didn't want. I mean, they they we had better opportunities with the czar, I think. Uh, to it, what exploit the resources yeah, I mean, and the it, human resources out of Russia? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. they, uh, you know, when you're when you're dealing with one person or you know one faction or whatever, it's easier to do than dealing with a whole lot of people. Uh -huh. uh, 
and they and and uh, and the capitalists in the world just do not want to see socialism get get mm-hmm. hold anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it it kind of sells itself, and and they just don't want to see it happen. So they they try to stop it every place they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yeah, so it, it it seems to me like uh, all of these places you mentioned that that we've had been involved in conflicts from Vietnam and Korea and all of them that 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 there's a, a two pronged capitalist thing that's getting us into it. First of all, the, there's this uh, colonialism, uh, co- imperialist cap, uh, capitalist thing going on where be, you've got to grow, so you've got to get everything you know so first of all you want the resources and the human resources and second of all uh the it, it, you get to make money off of uh of uh, war you know building war machines and selling war machines and all of that kind of stuff so it, it, it it's it's sort of like uh two strikes already against anybody who wants to be in the peace movement or be a socialist you know Anyway, go on. I'm po- I apologize. Uh, well, what I was going to say is everybody, uh, they talk like communism was such a failure in Russia. And I, I just kind of feel like it's really kind of amazing what they accomplished. They lost mm-hmm. about 5.5 million people in World War One, And then they lost about 26 million people in World War Two. Uh-huh. And and their their country was just, I mean, they were invaded. Their infrastructure was 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 attacked. They were they were bombed and 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 then after the end of World War II, and it's kind of you know everybody kind of seems to think that the United States came in and won the war for everybody over there. But in actuality, <laughs> the Red mm-hmm. Army was marching towards Berlin, and they were going to get there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we just stepped in at a good time to maybe to help out. Yeah. But after that, you know, we lost 567 thousand people or something, and they were just practically all military personnel. Yeah, uh, the Russians lost 26 million. Out of a huge, a huge part of that was was uh, civilian population. Civilians, yeah. Uh, and uh, and then they had to rebuild everything, and they brought themselves back to be a superpower and uh, competed with us for 40, 50 years as a in the Cold War. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that that um, well, well, first of all, e- even today in Russia, which is not communist anymore or socialist or whatever you want to call it, they have socialized medicine. You know, the people would not let them get rid of everything, all of the gains that they made towards social socialism uh, at, as at, during that time that they were the USSR. Um, so, you know, I wish we had, you know, Medicare for all, Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, you know, the, so one of the, one of the things, so, uh, one of the things about the communists, uh, their plan is, well, first of all, they had a plan. So, you know, for all of the capitalists talk about the free market, it will fix everything. It turns out that their plan helped, sure as heck, helped them rebuild their country, didn't it? Well, that's kind of part of what got them in trouble. I mean, uh, you know, people will argue against you, like Stalin was a dictator, and Stalin was mm-hmm. Stalin did purges and all this sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. they had uh, famines and different, and they did. They had uh, they had sort they had problems to sort out, and mm-hmm. and uh, some of the. Some of the famines and things were, you know, not were rather related. Some of them were human related. It's, it's a, but uh, they 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 worked through a lot of that stuff. And it's it, and and it, one of the problems was they did have a difficult time doing central planning. It is some that that is one of the advantages of capitalism that some of that stuff is more distributed and. Uh, well, but but also the the communist socialists recognize that within having a central plan, you want to decentralize yeah. all of your uh, your supplies and 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 your power. Frankly, you know, so it's, well, they had a lot of things to learn in the process. It was, uh-huh. a, new, it was a new system, and uh, I, I think what wound up 
actually bringing it down. Eventually, it just Soviet communism kind of kind of became state capitalism. Yeah. The the, uh, the ruling communist party got mm-hmm. to the point where they wanted to gather all the the goodies for themselves. They became yeah. they became the 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 capitalists of the of the of the operation and it and then and then you have to keep in mind too that they were under a tremendous amount of pressure from from capitalist countries around the world to it to to make that to make it collapse so they were continuously working on the working on things to to uh, affect those things they would sanction their markets and do all mm-hmm. kinds of different things and mm-hmm. uh, so it was it, there were there were problems that they and one of the things that I found interesting is that uh, they tried to they tried to uh, work with the West and and uh, try to do different things and and uh, Mao actually saw what was happening in the Soviet Union and saw that's not going to work and he said that the, you know, the the communists in Russia kind of got to the point where they didn't listen to the people and that's uh-huh. and the, as much as they should have, and that's a that's a strategic part of socialism and communism. And mm-hmm. Mao was saying, "You're you're going down the wrong path," and that's what caused the yeah. A lot of people think back that, in the that the minute that you say socialism or communism, you're talking about a dictatorship. When in fact, socialism and communism are the opposite of a yeah. dictatorship. So if if you any time you have a dictatorship, something's gone wrong with your socialist system. So what's interesting is is uh, when the Soviet Union fell in the 1990s, uh-huh. well, the, the capitalists, the Western capitalists in the world, boy, they thought they had it in the bag. Now they got the Russian resources. Uh, mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna step in there, and and uh, they did. And, I mean, it was a terrible. The 1990s was a terrible period for Russia. They had a depression that was worse than our depression of the 1930s. Uh huh. And the oligarchs were taken, and they were taking over the the, uh-huh. the, the, the nationalized. They, everything was getting privatized. Uh huh. Uh, so they they really really suffered. And when the, when the Putin came in there in two thousand, I mean, a, the, a large part of the Soviet Russian people said he kind of restored their status in the world, and and uh, uh, so he. He's considered a hero over there, and we consider him a uh, a, thug. Yeah, a villain. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's just the opposite with Gorbachev. Well, and, uh, oh, and 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 how about the, the this thing of him uh, that 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 people that some people are saying that Putin Putin's invading Ukraine because he's being an imperialist. Yeah, you know, whereas it's. It, what really happened is the Soviet Union got taken apart by a bunch of people, imperialists. Yeah, you know, and then they got foiled because the Russians went, "No, we'll just we'll keep our own imperialists." Thank you. You know, you can't have our stuff. So, it, um, it, it, and and Putin was was what they, he's called the strong man who made it who who made that sort of at least that nationalist vision. Come, come forward so i you know what is he doing in ukraine you know yeah that's a uh, i mean the, the the history in ukraine if i mean if you look at the russian history kiev was actually the capital of russia before moscow was uh-huh. and, and parts of parts of ukraine i mean ukraine if you translate it from what i understand it it means border area it's oh. a it's a. Uh, it's always been a border area, and, and it's, it's got a history of of the of, of a western eastern split, and and I think Putin or Russia kind of looks at it like, well, it can, it can be a border area. We'll we'll give it special treatment as a border area. There will always be these conflicts within there, but, but we will we will allow for that. And and I mean, Turkey's kind of the same way. They're a border area. They always get special consideration around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they 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 have a lot of internal tensions in 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 Ukraine. I mean, it it, it goes way back, and 
and uh, sometimes I'll make the argument, well, what's the purpose? I mean, you, you need to study history, but mm -hmm. what's the purpose of going back and picking a point in time and saying, well, this is the way it should be because that's what it was. Or that's what it was like in 1830, 1836 or something like uh -huh. that. Uh -huh. Why not go back to 1814? You know, what's the, the, yeah, what's, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and then you have to, have to ask yourself, well, what's the relevance of any of those? You know, uh, things have changed today and, and why don't we work up what will work today and not rely so much on what your great 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 grandfather did or something like that yeah right uh, but uh, from what i understand it is uh west or yeah western ukraine in the mountainous area facing romania and poland was uh was a it was an established established part of the country with their education system and things like that and the and the eastern part of Ukraine, the flatlands, the steppes, more like the plains in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, was hardly inhabited, and and the people that did inhabit it were were the gypsies or the the Roma people they call uh -huh. them. Mm -hmm. and they they migrated back and forth across that area. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the 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 stationary people in the western Ukraine with their education systems and things. Looked, looked down on these Eastern people and, and the, you know, they always, they always they, they, they talk about the gypsies and the Roma people. They just, they, they look at them as substandard. <laughs> well, as the industrial, as the agricultural uh, uh, development happened, uh, yeah. all of a sudden now this, these large areas out here are, are uh, valuable places. And then we get into the industrial revolution and they found coal and iron and gas and oil and all these things so now in in today's world eastern ukraine is much more valuable than the western part of ukraine mm -hmm. uh, yet the the people in the western ukraine somehow think they're superior to the eastern eastern ukrainians and uh and then they yeah. lump them in with the russians and uh, uh -huh. it's uh and then you get back, then you get into this, uh, this awful stuff with the Nazis in World War II. Yep. And uh, practically all the invasions of Russia have come through from, in from the West, have come through Ukraine. Uh -huh. So there's just a bad history of, of, uh, of things going on in Ukraine. And, and now yeah, I, I think uh, all that stuff up now in this whole, whole, whole process today. And, and, and don't, besides, um, the Jewish people in Germany in World War II getting thrown into the um, concentration camps yeah. um, and and murdered. Um, the another target were, were the Roma people, right? Also, mm -hmm. so you can kind of see that uh, that that in Ukraine, the Western Ukraines. Ukrainians look they had this population of Roma that they looked down on and they had this influx uh coming through Germany from Germany to attack so they're kind of set up to uh the western Ukrainians are, are look like they're kind of have a uh an easy excuse or I don't know exactly what to say for being having a fascist tendency you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a long history. And uh, uh, if you don't, if you don't uh, study some way to, you know, think of people as, as uh, uh, equal or, or uh, equitable, some equitable thing, I mean, you know, you just, uh, you know, th this idea of picking sides is just uh, a way of trying to take advantage of people and make control mm -hmm. over people. and. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty yeah. obvious that that's what's been going on for yep. for, for the, through that conflict for, through their history. Uh huh. And so, so uh, besides having this uh, east-west uh, difference um, that is fueling the current situation, where the people in the west, a lot of them speak Russian, right? Yeah. Uh, and so there's that going on um you you have this this uh, uh nazi or or fascist uh tendency in the east that i'm not saying everybody in the east is is a fascist but the those those people um have certainly have a voice 
in what's going on, my understanding is. What 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 do you think? Because we also hear, oh no, they got rid of those people and then they're not listening to them and all this kind of stuff. And look, our president that we elected is a Jew, so we can't possibly be, uh, uh, you know, thinking any of that stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I find a lot of that. Uh, uh, I, I, this, it, it, it changes from day to day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they, that Azov Battalion and that mm-hmm. the, the far right whatever they call that they they've become a, a an integral part of the army now mm-hmm. and uh they're committing all kinds of atrocities they've been documented and uh it, it's it's not a good situation and i'm not i don't know and i think that there's a large majority of the ukrainian population that just left when this stuff started and and ones that are hanging on are are don't want to say anything uh for, for because there's so much violence against people that, and they're, you know, they, if you speak Russian, they just right away, you know, take the opportunity to beat on you. It's, uh-huh. a, it's, a, it's just a bad situation. And I don't think, I don't know what it would take for, or I, I don't, I don't know if there are enough Ukrainians to rise up against Zelensky or, or it, even if there are, I don't know that they would have the resources to be able to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, well, uh, especially the if, if Zelensky, yeah, if Zelensky is being supplied with all every war machine that he could ever possibly want, that would be pretty risky to rise up against him. Kind of like our police departments get surplus military equipment, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think he's getting the best equipment, and I think it's, he's. To be fair, I don't think he's he's kind of getting the shaft on that we're not we're not really backing him up the way the way he thought he would get backed up <laughs> uh and the, the bad part of it is they're just slaughtering ukrainians they're just they're just uh, it's just a terrible situation that they're, it absolutely uh, is and yeah. for what reason jeepers yeah. but before well, they before for what reason that gets us kind of to the point uh, yeah yeah this, this war really isn't about ukraine yeah that's right the the uh, they just doing the war. The, this war is a, is about the Western capitalist countries wanting those Russian resources. Resources mm-hmm. and uh, Ukraine is just getting ground into mincemeat in the process of trying to do that. Uh, you know, Russia has been typically a, a country that that supplies raw materials. And they haven't—they they, haven't—they haven't been a manufacturing warehouse, a, a superstar like like China has. Uh, they don't have that population like China does to mm-hmm. take those those goods and and, and uh, do the value added in there. So so they they would trade raw materials for finished goods, and that just feels. I mean, the the, the capitalists in the, in the Western countries feel like, well, this is an opportune time. We can sanction them, and they won't be able to get there computers and their automobiles yep. and stuff like that and then uh-huh. we'll, we'll 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 bring them to the ground well yeah russia figured that out a few years ago already yeah when they started doing these sanctions and they're making themselves much more independent and and uh and building ties with china and, India yep. and iran and different places like that look in the yeah. other direction for yeah so economic it's, uh, it, it's really uh it, it's really Kind of coming down to uh, uh, multipolar world versus us maintaining the world hegemony, and if, if we yeah. got away and we went for broke and we got all of Russia, all resources, it'd be good. But if that doesn't work out that way, what are we going to do? <laughs> uh, we're going to have to figure out how to live amongst the people in the rest of the world, and I think there are going to be a lot of bitter people out here. Uh, well, yeah, there already are. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I, and really, again, who's being the imperialist? If if what we're really trying to do is get Russian resources, who is it that's really doing the capitalist imperialist thing? And yeah. and, and why? What is up with uh, the expansion of NATO anyway? 
it, it, again, way back to where we started, there's the Russia, it, it, the Warsaw Pact is gone. Yeah. Ru- Russia's just like us. They're just doing the same things that we do. Not being terribly democratic, being run by by oligarchs, by the moneyed elite, um, and and ca- concentrating capital and privatizing all their public stuff. They're just the same as us. Uh, um, only I, I think they're, they're a little bit different. We have a capitalist background that we're coming from, and they have a socialist background that they're coming from. So they're we're. we're they they maintained a few socialist things that we wish we had. That we, you know, yeah, as a matter right. of fact, they're they're not just the same as us. In so in a lot of ways, they're better than us. It's, you know, kind of like it's kind of like our uh, social security system. We have social security, and and uh, the privatizers around our country have been trying to privatize it for decades now, and we won't put up with it. Well, the Soviets. The, the Russian people had had uh, health care and they don't want it taken away. Yeah. And we're in a situation where we don't have health care trying to get it. So we're yeah. we're we're working from opposite mm-hmm. we're starting points. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know what else they have? Uh, we have this supposedly we have two parties here, right? Well, um, we have one party. <laughs> it's really one corporatist, oligarchical, not very democratic. It, you know, we don't have a whole lot of choices about who runs for things. And it's it, it, um, it's well, very difficult. For us. Yeah. Yes. And they're not that different from each other. That's right. Um, and, and, and it's very, very difficult for a third party to even get on the ballot let alone get heard, participate in debates, any of that stuff. It's extremely difficult here. It is much easier for other parties to get on the ballot in Russia than for third parties to get on the ballot here. Much easier in some states here where you where you have to get, uh, you know, like uh, 50,000 signatures in two weeks or something crazy like that. In Russia, you need like a I don't know, like 1,200 signatures, and you can get on the ballot. It's nuts, <laughs> by the way. So, yeah, in some, in a lot of ways, they, they're starting out better than we are. But, you know, in a lot of ways, we're, we're, there's no particular reason for us to be enemies unless you're a capitalist country, imperialist capitalist country that wants somebody's resources. Yep. That's what I said. In my opinion, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and, and so what does NATO, why, what's up? Why do we, why does NATO need to expand? Why does NATO need to be in Ukraine? What's going on? What's the whole motive behind expansion of NATO anyway? You know? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know why I think NATO should have disappeared when the Warsaw Pact disappeared. Mm-hmm. And and when it, it when you when it didn't, if it would have just stayed the same, you would have kind of thought, well, maybe they'll just wither away and die after a while. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but then they tried to expand it. Well, the expansion was surrounding Russia. Yeah, it's, it's it's all about surrounding Russia and threatening their threatening their security and trying to force them to spend. I mean, <clears throat> that's basically what brought down the Soviet Union was the was the continuous having to spend on the military to to, uh, to to maintain the Cold War, and Gorbachev took the path, and it was that it wasn't just Gorbachev, I guess, but the people kind of took the path of this is silly. We don't want to spend all of our money on this store. We can we can we can we can settle this. Just we had the 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 nuclear INF treaty, and said we can dial this stuff back, and mm-hmm. we don't really need to do all this this sort of stuff. But that's not that doesn't fit into the uh, capitalist West capturing those Russian assets. Yes. So we just kept pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. Yeah. In, uh, in 1990, we promised not to expand one inch eastward, and uh, I just saw a document the other day where it was actually 
they, they said it wasn't ever written down. Well, it is, it is written down. It's in a, it's in a State Department uh, ah, memo. Okay. I'd uh, only heard that it was a handshake. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, but it just said, uh, well, somebody asked W here a while back, uh, Bush, yeah. about, uh, about that. And he said, his answer was, well, things change. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess, you know, the Russian could say the same thing. Well, yeah. things change. You, know, uh, you invaded Ukraine. Well, things change. You know? <laughs> yep. But, yep. I mean, it's, 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 they had much more justification than that. But, but uh, and we could go into that discussion, too. We probably ought to cover some of that. Yeah, that would be good. I'd love to talk about why, you know, what is, is happening in Ukraine. Oh. Uh, and, and well, why? you know, the, the 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 NATO expansion was happening, and and uh -huh. uh, in two thousand and eight, uh, Putin said in the, in that Munich, in Munich there, he says Georgia and and Ukraine cannot become part of NATO. We're not uh -huh. going to put up with. It. Mm -hmm. And and the thing of it is, we have all kinds of diplomats, uh, Jack Matlock and the present CIA uh, director Burns. And even Henry Kissinger said that was a dumb idea. Don't do that. You're going to push Russia to the point of having to do something. Don't do that. Don't go there. Yeah. And they just did it anyway. And uh, W went ahead and did it. And Clinton walked right in there and expanded them. And then uh, and uh, I think Obama did some more. I mean, they mm -hmm. just and it, it just comes down to uh, and, and then they. Uh, they just said they're going. They're going to. They're going to. They want to put Ukraine into NATO, and so then they got in there and caused the uh, the, the typical uprising. They 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 found some. You know, they went in there and got some of those Nazis all riled up, and mm -hmm. and uh, so then they had the uh, the uh, uh, Maidan coup. And that's the they, that's the 2014 thing, right? Yeah, 2014 made on. Yep. They, they threw uh, uh, they threw one leader out, and they they placed another another person in. I think it was uh, Poroshenko, or, or I guess it was Katz first. I don't know. He wasn't in there very long. And then it was Poroshenko, and then it was uh, Yanukovych, and and uh, so they they kept they kept pushing this thing and kept pushing it, and uh, the people in Crimea said we don't want to be part of ukraine and yeah. they held a referendum in 2015 i think it was and said they want to be part of russia and asked to be annexed to russia and russia accepted them no. now that was and you kind of say well why do they do it? well crimea has been a part of russia since 1700 sometime Mm -hmm. Until in 1954, Khrushchev gave, gave Crimea to Ukraine for no unknown for some. But unknown. but but they were all part of USSR anyway, right? right? So it didn't so really make any difference. It didn't it really was, make a huge difference it, it really then. So anyway, so they just so. But uh, the Russian has their uh, their southernmost warm water fleet based in. Sevastopol in Crimea, mm -hmm. and the 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 Western countries would have just loved to take that that port away from them. They would have dominated the Black Sea, and that was just a, a non-starter for Russia. They just couldn't have that, so they accepted. And the thing of it is, it's something like ninety percent of the people voted to be to be Russian. Yeah, and uh, uh, and they they did that in the process, and there was a, there wasn't one person killed in the whole process. Yeah. But uh, but so then the uh, people in the Donbass area and Lugansk and uh, mm -hmm. in Vetska, mm -hmm. Oblast or provinces or whatever you call them, uh, they did not want to be. They're Russian-speaking areas too, and they mm -hmm. and they're heavily industrialized, and they didn't want. They wanted they wanted to have a special a special situation. Uh, you know, they the the Ukrainians were were uh, changing the school systems and all sorts of different things, and and, and uh, the people in the Donbas area just weren't didn't want to have it, so they declared their independence, 
And plus, anyway, there was already this historic rift between how the Western Ukrainians viewed these Eastern Ukrainians or right. Russians. You know. Anyway, go on. And so, so they uh, uh, they they declared their independence, and uh, and they asked Russia to to recognize their independence, and Russia didn't want to do it. They said, we think you ought to be a part of Ukraine and Ukraine should be a neutral country and mm -hmm. it should be a buffer zone between Russia and, and the Western states and mm -hmm. you guys can exist like that. And they were making them a good deal. They were, Russia was making transit fees off of Russian gas and mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they, they were doing, doing pretty well doing that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, uh, then they came up with the Minsk agreement, Minsk one and Minsk two, and and the French and the Germans were supposedly going to get in there and and uh, work with Ukraine to make to to work out some sort of autonomous arrangement for for uh, for the Donbass, mm -hmm. and it just never went anywhere. And, and now we know today that, that they never intended for they it. They never to... intended whatsoever. They just were just trying to buy time to to. Uh, Build the military in Ukraine. Yeah, and so when it came down to, so in the process they kept shelling the 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 people in the Donbas area uh, built their militia and tried to defend their country. And of course, in, in that situation, they were a small group of people against a big Ukrainian army, mm -hmm. and they lost large parts of that country uh, of their areas. And and they kind of caught you a stalemate, sort of. And then in twenty twenty two, Ukraine had had gained enough military power, and they were going to the, the Russians had found out that they were they were going to make a major assault on the Donbass the Donbass spring mm -hmm. of, of uh, twenty twenty two last year, yeah, and and. Uh, so, so then they, uh, they recognized, uh, their independence on the, I think the 20th of February, something like 20, 22nd of February. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and, and then they started, then they started defending the Donbass area by the so-called invasion of mm -hmm. Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is kind of, uh, when you look at it, uh, I'm not a real military strategist, but to kind of look at it, just, they, they put something like 150,000 people together in that special military operation mm -hmm. against a Ukrainian army that had, I think, something like 300,000 active military personnel, 600,000 mm -hmm. counting the reserves or something like that. Mm -hmm. Russia just really didn't put, you know, they didn't really put their whole heart, put their Put their whole, put all the resources into it, mm -hmm. which is they get a lot of criticism for. But I think they. Uh, On the other hand, it certainly doesn't make it look like they were trying to do some imperialist move, does it? No, no <laughs> I, I wouldn't have called it that. Uh, yeah. they were, they were, they were actually. I mean, they were trying to, they were trying to defend some of their Russian-speaking. And 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 between like twenty fourteen. And 2022, a lot of those, a lot of civilians in the Donbass had been killed, right? Yeah, there was over 14,000 of them had been killed by the Ukrainians. By I mean, the that, Ukrainians. That's Ukrainians killing Ukrainians. Yeah. yeah. Gee, uh, I wonder why they want to be independent. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they were really, uh, and really the thing is, uh, the Eastern, Eastern Ukraine it's making you know making a lot of money for the for the country. I mean that's where the industrial industrial mm -hmm. powerhouse is. Mm -hmm. So not to mention like central Ukraine is where all the agricultural happens, right? Yeah, and that, and then and that gets shipped out through uh, Odessa and and places like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, it all gets shipped out to the eastern Ukraine. Mm -hmm. so, okay. So that's uh that's kind of how Russia. You no, know, as soon as as soon as uh, Russia uh, 
started the special military operation, one of the first things they did was open the canal to supply water to Crimea. That uh -huh. the, that the uh, Ukrainians had cut off. Cut off. I mean, that's really humanitarian, isn't it? They cut off the water supply to the, to the place. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> so it's a it's a big it's a big mess. Uh, yep. So this is supposed to be uh, a my mess my special Martin Luther King Jr. peace podcast. Yeah. What should they do? Well, it, 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 they're going to have to negotiate some sort of sort mm -hmm. of peace settlement. Mm -hmm. uh, you could. Uh, it, it, Russia is so in, attached now; they probably won't stop until they have Odessa and uh, Nik Nikolaev and have the. the they're going to. They 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 can't trust the Ukrainians to have any access over the Black Sea. Uh -huh. uh, if they would have, you know. If they would have negotiated peace when they had the Istanbul settlement and Zelensky was actually talking about settling, they could have, Ukraine, I think, could have kept a large part of their country and they could have worked out a deal to share the resources and share things with Russia. And they could have kind of pretty much gone back to the, where they were. Uh -huh. But Boris Johnson ran over right over there and said, no, 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 you can't do that. We're not having any peace settlement. We're going to have continuous war. And so I don't know. They're going to have to. Uh, uh, well, you know, Martin Luther King finally he uh, he avoided talking about the Vietnam War for a long time, mm -hmm. and and when he finally took a stance on it and said, you know, it's a it's a it's, it's wrong. We're doing this stuff, and shortly after that, he was killed. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, well, let's hope that doesn't happen to us because we are on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I think they got better, bigger people to go after. Than yeah, that. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, oh. we it, so we need a ceasefire and we need negotiations. Also, the, the, in, in the interim, it, like last year, they did do elections in the east to see if those countries wanted to be part of Russia, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. And, and, and my understanding is that the results so far as we know what they are was that those people wanted to be part of Russia. But there's a lot of uh, controversy about whether they were really free and fair or not or all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, so something I think uh, needs to address the will of the people, right? And be fair and and clear and all that kind of good stuff and democratic, you know? Um, yeah. No, I don't, uh, I guess I feel like that stuff doesn't have to happen overnight. Uh, you can have, you can have a ceasefire and you can, you can spend 10 years working that stuff out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, that's all we have in the, uh, on the Korean peninsula is a ceasefire, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, <laughs> not really getting settled but you but know, they're not it's a ceasefire south, south korea is doing fine you know they got they've, mm -hmm. they've got the, they got a booming economy and uh, mm -hmm. north korea has their whatever they're doing yep. whatever they're doing whatever you can believe uh you know to listen to the main street press everybody's starving to death over in north korea but they just keep trucking on i don't know yep. uh, yeah so yep. I, you know, when you look at the whole thing, it's uh, the world's changing. Uh, mm -hmm. The American hegemony is is uh, it's not holding up so well. No, nope. I mean, you got things like uh, the BRICS. And, well, uh, and 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 it's really happening. We're shooting ourselves in the foot over it because we keep sanctioning everybody, and they can't. They have to turn away from us when we sanction them, you know, uh, not, yeah. not, not that I think that, that we should do everything we can to maintain some American hegemony because, uh, you know, our system, like you said, was flawed from the beginning, you know? Yeah. They called it a great experiment and 
Yeah. <laughs> Tell them to experiment. And uh, it's, uh, they're talking like it's such a, it's been such a success. Well, it's no experiment in my mind. Yeah. Yep. So, so, yep. Uh, ultimately, if, if civilization survives, it, um, the power is going to be more uh, um, equally shared, right? Yeah, I think it's going to have to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have to share the share the world's resources, and we're going to have to uh, share uh, responsibility for things, and we're going to have to cooperate on uh, environmental things, and we're going to have to cooperate on how we use resources, and we're going to have to help each other out when bad things happen, like uh, giant volcanoes and earthquakes, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Famines and things like that. It's a uh, it's, we're we're out here floating around on the third rock from the sun, and mm -hmm. I think we need to learn to get along. Yep, I do too. And speaking of environment, just uh, 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 I just want to say that you know military um, activity is one of the worst greenhouse gas producers. You know, so that's another reason why we got to stop doing this. Yeah, just, uh, whenever I look at the uh, those tanks over there, and they blow all that smoke out, and they look like they, I forget well, how many horsepower each one of those tanks, and then you got the airplanes flying mm -hmm. all over the place. It's just a huge amount of uh, of uh, fossil fuel burning. Burning up. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think tanks get something. You know, like you talk about a car getting thirty miles per gallon. Yeah, a tank it's like twenty gallons per mile. A mile, yeah, yeah. Per mile. yeah. <laughs> it's nuts and then we used to in the cold war we used to fly have continuous flights over over russia it, that continuous flights you know they they'd get refueled the refueling plane would come and refuel planes in the air yeah. i mean just an unimaginable amount of uh of burning of fossil fuels and in such a, for such a wasteful purpose you know so yeah we got to rearrange our priorities the system we need system change so yeah martin luther king talked about that sort of stuff i don't know which speech in particular but he just he uh he would uh just you know he just we just we just need to love our neighbors and and uh and uh, sort these things out, and uh, it's it's a good time to reflect on some of the things he he taught. Yep, yep, sure is. Well, I am going to let you go. We've been going at it for a while, <laughs> and yeah, I really appreciate. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, and um, and uh, um, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I'll see you Saturday at the Peace Corner. Right. All right. All right. Thanks, Peace Mike. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of HSV Progressive, the second one for 2023. Um, I hope you got something out of it. Please keep having those great conversations. I want to uh, jump on here real quick and tell you I got a lot of interesting content coming up. Um, I am recording this on the 12th of January, so tonight is the first city council meeting for Huntsville. I'll be going there and I'll have a report on that and also some Madison County Commission stuff. Uh, we've got a new power structure at Madison County Commission since uh, Dale Strong has gone to Washington, D.C. to replace um, Mo Brooks. Frankly, I don't anticipate that that's going to be any big change of any sort. Um, uh, we've got uh, Energy Alabama coming on, uh, probably a show about community radio. Um, I've got my Madison, um, my Madison connection going to come on and, and soon and talk. Uh, we're going to be. I'm going to be talking uh, with some people about the Huntsville environmental. It's currently, it's a committee. Uh, apparently it's going to become a commission. I want to get all of that kind of straightened out um, and so that we can uh, go ahead and get a plan of action. 
Um, and I'm sure I'll be talking more about that at Green Drinks, which is an environmental thing that is going to be happening on the 18th of January at 6.45 p.m. at the Nook. If you are environmentally inclined, want to meet people, like-minded people, uh, talk about uh, projects or just uh, get together, have some fun, please uh, please feel welcome. We, uh, we're um, putting together an informal just conversation group. It'll be great to have you. Uh, so happy 2023. Happy MLK Junior Day. And I will see you guys next time. <laughs>